Katie and Christine and I have been preaching this sermon series called Shafts of Light about the 15, 20th century saints and heroes who are in the stained glass windows in our Malat Chapel. Many of the people who made the decisions about who goes into those windows, who built that chapel and installed the windows and funded the chapel are still with us. That was done in 1993. Doug and Judy Petrie gave us this window the Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller window, and I want to tell you why. It's because when Judy was at the University of Michigan, she pledged the Delta Gamma sorority. You can probably guess what their service project was. And when Doug and Judy moved to the Chicago area, they became deeply involved in the Hadley School for the Blind. So there's some poetry to this gift and to this window. Scripture lesson this morning is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, who sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord watches over the strangers and upholds the orphan and the widow. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever played the icebreaker game, Would You Rather, at a dinner party or maybe at work with your colleagues? Would you rather be beautiful or brilliant? Would you rather live in the Sahara or the Antarctica? Would you rather win an Olympic gold medal or the Nobel Peace Prize? Would you rather be blind or deaf? Personally, I'd choose to be deaf. I would give up my wife's sultry voice to keep her stunning face. I would give up Tchaikovsky's sixth to keep the Grand Canyon. Psychologist tells us that 80% of what we learn and 80% of what we remember comes to us through our eyes. This is true only for sighted people, obviously. But what if you are both blind and deaf? Human beings obviously have five senses, five gateways to the outside world, but you could do without two of them without too much trouble, right? If you lost taste and scent, nobody would even know you were lacking those two senses unless you told them. But the other three are integral to our full participation in human life, right? Touch, sight, and hearing are crucial to how we participate in the world. What if you could neither see nor hear? Now, you probably know that uh, Helen Keller was born in 1880 in Tuscumbia, Alabama. A perfectly healthy child, in fact, a precocious one. She spoke her first word when she was six months old, water. But then at 19 months, she was struck by a severe fever that almost killed her and robbed her of her sight and hearing. To this day, doctors don't know what afflicted her, but the best guess is that it was meningitis. And so for the next five years of her life, this isolation of deafness and blindness turned Helen Keller into a wild, unruly, angry child with no manners and frequent tantrums until the woman she would always call my teacher came into her life. If you're curious about the life of Helen Keller, you could read her charming autobiography, The Story of My Life. It's about 100 pages long. 
You could read it in two hours. Or you could use those same two hours to watch the film The Miracle Worker. Anne Bancroft as Anne Sullivan won the Academy Award for Best Actress in 1962. Patty Duke won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1962. The movie is based straight on Helen's own story, so it accurately and beautifully tells the harrowing story of how Anne tried to teach Helen the names of the various objects in her world by fingerspelling them in her hand, right? But it wasn't working for days and days. Helen was not making the connection between the finger-spelled words and the corresponding objects until, you know the story, until one day Anne Sullivan poured a stream of water over Helen's left hand and spelled W-A-T-E-R into her right hand. And that was Helen's eureka moment. It all made sense. Everything had a name. She pounded the ground and said, what's this, earth? She touched an oak, tree. By the end of the day, she'd learned 30 words. In a couple of weeks, she had mastered 900. Ann Sullivan eventually taught Helen Keller five different modes of communication, five different ways to understand the outside world and to be understood by it. She could read your lips, literally. She would touch your mouth while you were speaking. She could read Braille. She eventually, can you believe this? She eventually learned to speak. I mean, literally to speak. She was a mean typist. And of course, the most important way, those lip uh, spelling, or finger spelling, rather. In 1904, she became the first deaf-blind graduate of Radcliffe College at Harvard University, cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa. Then she spent the rest of her life traveling the world, speaking up, literally speaking up, for deaf and blind children and other differently abled children. In 1920, she was one of the co-founders of the ACLU. Now, this is neither here nor there, but do you remember several years ago when each of the 50 states minted its own distinctive quarter to feature something special about that place? You can probably guess who's on the Illinois state quarter, but do you know who's on the Alabama state quarter? It's the only quarter with Braille. Isn't that wonderful? Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan are the only partnered pair among the 15 figures in our windows. Those other people in those windows are extraordinary human beings, but they're all solo acts. They have nothing to do with each other. Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller belong inextricably together. We would not even know their names if they didn't have each other. They're a team. And this, it seems to me, is very important. That's all I want to say to you today, that in order to overcome the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, we just need two of God's most precious gifts. We need our own stubborn resilience, our own stick to and we need a friend who knows something and won't quit. Are you deaf? Are you blind? Are you lame? Are you dyslexic? Are you learning disabled? Are you ADHD? Do you have cancer? How can you use your hindrance? How can you use your differentness to reach out to some isolated soul stumbling around in darkness and silence lost in a dark wood alone? How can you use that difference? 
Now, I'm not trying to put lipstick on the pig of whatever ails you. I'm sure it really is an obstacle in your life. But there are times when a deficit, what we perceive to be a deficit, we can use as an asset to reach out to some other human being. Annie Sullivan suffered an eye infection when she was a child and was practically blind for the rest of her life. She started her life in a horror show of an orphanage, an abusive orphanage. But then at the age of 14, she convinced the state authorities to move her to the Perkins School for the Blind in Boston. But that was only marginally better because when she got there, she was 14 years old, practically blind, illiterate. She could neither read nor write. She was dressed in rags, and she had never learned the courtesies and niceties of polite society. And so she was mercilessly mocked by her classmates at first at Perkins, but she was just as stubborn as Helen Keller, and she persevered. At 20, she graduated as the valedictorian of Perkins, and in her valedictory address, she said to her classmates, friends, let us set ourselves to find our special calling, because every obstacle we overcome and every success we achieve brings us closer to God and makes the world look more like God would have it. Wow. Do you think Annie Sullivan found her special calling? Because, you see, it was her very experience of loneliness and blindness and exclusion and exile that made her jump at the chance to travel from Boston to Alabama and take a little six, uh, six-year-old deaf-blind girl by the hand, literally by the hand, and lead her slowly and surely out of the isolation of her darkness and silence. You know St. Francis' famous prayer, right? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. What if, what if it was precisely our affliction that made us the right gadget that our glad God can use to gain God's good goals? A couple of weeks ago, there's a wonderful article in the Washington Post. They interviewed a whole bunch of high school valedictorians across the entire country and asked them what they planned to tell their uh, classmates at their valedictory address. Grayson Catlett was the valedictorian at Central High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's headed for the University of Pennsylvania this fall. He said he planned to tell his classmates, we've had a hell of a year. We faced a lot of very dumb things this year. We've had a lot of challenges, but it's possible that it's more rewarding to graduate from high school at this time than at any other time, because if this is all the stuff that we can handle, I can't imagine what we can't. Yes, I predict that young man will thrive at the University of Pennsylvania. It's true of us, too. Look at all we've learned in the last 15 months. Most of it is technology and equipment, but still, talking about Joel Fox hiding in the sound booth and John Sharp, who runs the whole operation, but look at Lisa Bond. Look what Lisa knows today that she didn't know 15 months ago. She's even more brilliant today than she was 15 months ago. Psalm 146 says, Happy are those who take refuge in the God of Jacob, who executes justice for the oppressed, sets the prisoner free, and opens the eyes of the blind. Now, where have you heard precisely that vocabulary before in another place? 
could be that Psalm 146 is the inspiration for Jesus' own first sermon at his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. Sadly, God never did open Helen Keller's blind eyes or unstop her deaf ears, but could it be, could it be that God in fact did open her eyes and unstop her ears by dropping into her life at just the right moment Annie Sullivan, who taught her five different ways to communicate with the outside world, to understand the world and to be understood by it. Five different, that's way more methods of communication than you and I have mastered. She really was a miracle worker. And so my prayer for you this morning is that God will grant you two of life's most precious gifts. Your own unflinching, invincible resilience and a friend who knows something and just refuses to quit. And if you can't find a friend like that, then become a friend like that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.